You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Hello, one and all, to the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast. It's episode 248, I do believe, and we are edging ever closer to, what, five years on this podcast? It's crazy to think about that. So, we are brought to you today by uh, GameAt.eu for pre-painted resin terrain, neoprene mats, and STL files. You can get Event 10 to uh, get 10% off your order. We've also got Panhandle3d.etsy.com for 3D printed terrain, not the STL files, but they'll actually print it for you. And they do custom combat gauges, dice tum- uh, <laughs> coffee tumblers, dice trays, all of that. PH3D15OFF is the code for 15% off your order there. Shipping's free over 100 bucks, And who could forget the beautiful, sexy, good-smelling Patreon patrons that support the show. And you know what? I appreciate all of you. So what am I up to? Well, um, today we are discussing my first game of 10th edition. I came in completely fresh. I knew none of the leaks. I knew none of the information. And I played my first game. And let's see my initial take on 10th edition, whether I love it, hate it, something in between. Then we also have a letter from Deke. And they're asking questions about uh, color schemes for their army. That's uh, another color scheme email. And then we also have they want that or want that not for the new Underworld's Night Haunt uh, faction. And uh, see whether or not we want that. What have I been up to? Well, I did not find any baby coffins anytime soon. Uh, not not since last week, anyway. Um, working on uh, brutal uh, brutality supplement for the settlement mode working on the uh, two-turn adventure brutality game. And then also I've had something that sparked my creativity, and I am very, very excited about it. Another version of brutality, just like Brutal Space, uses the brutality rules but applied completely differently. And it is going to be... Oh, I don't really want to give you the name just yet, but think of little animals that you can catch. And you can train them, and they level up in the middle of the game, and they can become more powerful once they kill enemies or score objectives or whatever. And you can stat them out however you want, they can give whatever abilities you want, and there's a chance that they can be overly aggressive or overly timid timid with um, you know, just the, kind of their personality or their emotions. And uh, you play as like the central character that has made a connection with all of these creatures. And um, it's going to be a completely different... I'm going to be getting anime art for it. And um, it's going to be completely different, but it's going to be brutality at its core. And I'm even going to uh, include a supplement where you merge this and brutality together, set in the Brutal Realm, and you can be... uh, I don't know exactly what I'm going to call you as the, the leader of this group, but essentially like a trainer or something like that. And you can play your trainer list versus a regular Brutality Warband in Brutality. That's how compatible the two games are. So very, very excited. Brand new setting, all of that. My brain cannot stop thinking about it. So anyway, that's what I've been up to. I'm not going to yammer on too long. I go on quite a long time over the 10th edition discussion. So let's get on with the show. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. Hey, it's the Tesseract mailbox. Today we have a message from Deke, D-E-E-K. 
I don't know if it's a mistyping of Derek, but it says Deke. So thank you for writing in, Deke. Let's see what they say. Hello, Mr. Cron. I heard your advice about color schemes last week, and I loved it. Now that I'm starting NIDS for 10th edition, I was wondering what color scheme you thought would be good for them. I am torn between Baltimore Ravens and Jacksonville Jaguars. I know that Jaguars seems like a weird choice because it includes gold, but they are my team and I have been thinking about representing them. Thanks in advance, Deke. So Deke, thanks for writing in. I greatly appreciate it. I actually had to look up the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, color scheme because I wasn't, I knew there was aqua in there, but I didn't know what the whole scheme was. So Baltimore Ravens I'm familiar with. They are um, essentially purple and black. Jacksonville Jaguars are a teal and a black and then also gold. So I think we gold would be a weird color for uh, Tyranids just because they're organic, you know, and, and gold really is not. I've never seen an animal in real life, maybe a really colorful bug uh, that has any gold on it. And even then, I, I can't picture any bugs that have gold on them. I think it would be super, super easy to use the Ravens color scheme, but it sounds like you want to do Jacksonville. So let's let's focus on that. Purple and black would go excellently together. Like my my personal Tyranids are blue and black. Um, so I, I use like a I forget what it's called, but it's a it's a real vibrant blue, but it's dark. It's not a light blue, um, a, a real vibrant blue from Citadel as the shell color. And then all my highlights are a bright, bright blue like a, a light sky blue, and then all the skin is black. If you're going to do black skin on a Tyranid, what looks really good is to spray it all gloss varnish afterwards, because that's what I do with my Tyranids. And you don't even have to paint the skin, because once the gloss varnish gets on that black, the black primer turns to a jet black, and of course it's nice and glossy and wet. It is a serious cheat that saves you a lot of time because uh, you just have to prime it and then add the detail and paint the shell. Super easy. But you can do something very similar with Jacksonville. So I don't think that uh, we can really use gold for Jacksonville. But what if you did use like a very light tan? Essentially take the metallic out of the tan, uh, the gold and make it like a um, any of the like drab, almost camouflage colors that you could make into skin. So I'm seeing that you could either do black skin with teal and the pan or yellow, probably tan. Um, you, there's kind of like a, um, there's a thing in writing, right? Where you, you only have like one gimme. In other words, like if you say, oh, there's robots in this, in this setting, right? People are like, okay, I'll give you that much. I'll suspend my disbelief and say there's robots, giant robots. Okay. And then you go, but there's also magic. And they go, okay, that's fine, I guess. And you go, and there's also kaijus. And they're like, all right. And there's also superpowers. Okay. And there's also talking cars. And there's only so many things you can do before it, it's no longer believable. So what I'm getting at behind this is that the teal is already a color that you rarely see in nature. Now, of course, they're aliens. They could come from a, a planet where teal is super popular and, and common. But um, I would say teal is your gimme color. That's the one that anybody could go, OK, maybe teal. But gold and teal are two colors that they're like, OK, they're gold and teal. This is starting to not look organic any longer. So I would definitely use that drab tan or maybe a pale yellow, something like that. 
Uh, I like the tan because it's a little more natural. It's more like skin. It's more like something that could happen in real life. And personally, I don't think the teal and the tan would go very well together. So I think what you're going to want to do is probably um, not make the skin black. You're going to want to either make the skin teal or you're going to make the skin uh, the tan color. Of course, it's entirely up to you. But what my personal preference is, and this I think is what you're asking, I would make the um, the skin color the drab like pale tan and that way it will take a wash really nicely you'll see all of the detail and all of that and then i would make the carapace mostly black with you know teal patterns or teal edges or, or whatever um with teal as the accent color you could of course go with teal as the main color for your shell but the problem is it starts looking a little cartoony if your models are a little too bright and too colorful it does, especially with organic stuff like Tyranids, it starts not looking so realistic. So you definitely could see an animal that had black armor and like a pale tan, almost a skin color, but it's more of like a goldish tan and then uh, teal markings on it versus actual teal skin might look a little odd. You'd have to see how that looks on the model with the tan accents on black or whatever. So my thinking is... Pale tan, maybe verging on slightly yellow, like a pale yellow skin that will take a wash nicely. And then black main color on your shells with teal accents. And that is what I think uh, would work really well. You might even, I know it's not exactly Jaguar colors, but you might want to add a little bit of like a magenta somewhere. Would look really, really nice with that color scheme. Um, maybe like the gums of the mouth. Or something like that. And I'm just talking about some very, very minor spot colors of that magenta. It might look really nice, depending on what colors you choose for the skin and all of that. But hey, these last two episodes, I've really enjoyed talking about color theory and all of that. And I am by no means some professional painter, but I do appreciate you guys asking me my opinion. So you guys can get to me at pimpcron at gmail.com or facebook.com slash pimpcron or Instagram at pimpcron with one P. And I'll catch you on the other side of this music. Want that or want that not? Well, if it isn't that time again, it's time for Want That or Want That Not. And we are discussing the Warhammer Underworld's Ward Hollow, the Headsman's Curse. I think Ward Hollow must, or Weird Hollow? I think it's Weird Hollow. Sorry, not Word. Weird Hollow. It's the new set for uh, Warhammer Underworld's. And the Headsman Curse is all about the Night Haunt. So for $42, you get two small stacks of cards, and then you get four models. Of course, I'm immediately going to open this box and chuck both of the sets of cards, because I don't give a crap about the cards. So essentially, I'm paying, um, what, four, I mean, I'm sorry, $10.50 for each model. Now, are these models actually worth owning? That's what the meat and potatoes of this conversation are going to be. So first off, they've got one guy with a sword, and he looks pretty darn cool, I have to say. He's got a cloak over his head, like a uh, mask, which is uncommon for Night Haunt. They usually have those skeletal faces. And he has a giant sword, like a like a 
what's it called? Swordbreaker sword or whatever from Final Fantasy. I never played Final Fantasy, but you get what I'm saying. Cloud's giant sword. This isn't quite that big, but it's a huge sword. And there's like a ghostly face at the bottom. And it's like he's swinging it down into the ground and the mist is separating. This is a freaking cool looking model. I really, really like this model. I could definitely see you proxying this as a Lord Executioner or something of that nature. He also has a um a bracelet on or whatever, and I'm trying to see if his bracelet is attached to the chain. I can't really tell. I'm sorry, is his chain to the sword, I mean. Can't really tell. But he looks freaking awesome. Okay, on to the next person. This dude is dragging an anvil, which just tickles me. He's covered in melting candles all over his back, and they're lit. And the, uh, the anvil also has a candle on it, which I think is kind of humorous. This dude is dragging this anvil, and uh, pretty interesting, actually. He's hunched all over like you'd expect a Nighthawn to be, but all the candles on his back gives him a slightly different profile, and the giant anvil that he's dragging is actually pretty neat. It may not be an anvil. It may be a headstone. It's actually really hard to tell from this image. Um, if it is a headstone, even cooler, but it's kind of flat at the top, and it's wider, so it does definitely look like an anvil. Why is he dragging an anvil? I have no idea. But overall, it's a pretty good sculpt. The first one is a fantastic sculpt. The second one is an okay sculpt. Pretty good. Better than average, I would say. Let's go on to the third one. The third one is a spooky boy holding a scroll. And the scroll goes all the way down to the bottom. He's got a quill and he's like, you know, um, finding out who's naughty or nice. He's got a bunch of scrolls wrapped up in his on his side there, like in a quiver for scrolls, a pouch. And this one, actually, I like a lot. This one is not quite as awesome as the first one. It's way better than the second one. And it's got a really neat outline to it compared to most Night Haunt. Um, I could definitely see you doing more with it as far as adding to the scroll or whatever. It looks more like a receipt that he's got. It's very narrow and it's very, very long. So I think he's probably been to CVS or Rite Aid lately because they will give you that super, super long receipt. And he's just looking at the different coupons and stuff that he got from his last purchase. So good for him, I think. I really like this model. The first one, I give an A+. The second one, I think, is a B, a solid B. This one, this third model, is an A-. minus. I think it's a pretty darn good model. It's not quite as good as the first one. This fourth one is basically just a chain rasp. I really don't see anything great about him. He's got a short little sword. He's got some weights attached to him by chains, and he's just kind of standing there. I give this guy a, a C, a solid C. He does not look bad. He does not look goofy. But if you put him next to your chain rasps, he would be completely lost in that unit. I have no idea how, and this seems like this is what they do a lot for Underworlds. They'll give you like two awesome sculpts and then like one or two very middling sculpts that are okay, but they're not bad. And then some just completely forgettable sculpts like this one. So for $42, is this worth it to me? Okay, what I'm going to tell you is Underworlds means absolutely nothing to me, but could I use this for brutality? Could I use it for as characters for Night Haunt? And that, I think, is where this one actually shines. Because if you're going to go buy the Lord Executioner, who basically has the gallows on his back and the axe, if you're talking the starter set Lord Executioner, or the average one, I think, just has an axe and a mask over his face, this guy with the giant sword would be an 
excellent proxy for a Lord Executioner. And of course, as you know, the Lord Executioner is probably $35 or $40 to begin with. So if you bought this whole set at $42 just for this dude, it's still probably worth it to you. Um, but then if you factor in the guy with the candles and the anvil, which I don't know who you'd proxy him for, but he does look really, really neat. I would definitely say that he's got some merit. You could use him as like a sergeant in a unit or something like that. Uh, and then the guy with the scroll, I believe, I don't own the model for Night Haunt, but I believe there is a character with the scroll and he like, you know, writes stuff down. This guy seems like he'd be a pretty good proxy for that guy. So ultimately, and then you get the stupid chain rasp. So ultimately, I think this is actually a pretty good box. It's weird that they only have four models because usually uh, Underworlds tends to have five, I think, just from what I've seen. Sometimes they even have six. But the guy with the scroll and the guy with the big sword are both definitely worth buying just for this box set. And if you think about the guy with the scroll and the uh, Lord Executioner are going to run you probably 70 bucks for the two of them. I think these are very good Dollar General versions of them for half the price. And yeah, I would say that's a want that for me. And I already own a Lord Executioner. I just think this one looks pretty awesome. So I would definitely say a want that for this box set. Even if you throw away the cards and you throw away the one Chain Rasp guy, the other three are pretty much worth it. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimp Cron. Well, hey everybody, it's Real Talk with the Pimp Cron, and today we are going to discuss 10th edition and my first game of 10th edition using the new points that just dropped yesterday and what I think of it, because I know you're all just dying to find out, right? No, I don't think I'm that important, but I do know that many people will not be able to play a game of 10th edition for a little while, and of course you've seen all the leaked rules, and uh, now the points are out, and you can only theory hammer or watch battle reports, and you can't actually see it in person yet. So, this is my take as a casual gamer. I really do not care for the hyper-competitive, hyper-synergized whatever. Um, for those of you who don't know me that well, I like to just bring whatever models I've recently painted or whatever models I think would be neat or my favorite models. And usually my favorite models have something to do with either the way they play or how they look. You know, I've loved flayed ones since forever. Um, I own 40 flayed ones and all of them are metal. So that should show you how old they are. And flayed ones have sucked pretty much all the time. Like they've always been very bad up until 8th edition they were okay. Ninth edition, they were okay. So not, not too bad in the last two editions, but the previous three editions I played them in, they were absolutely horrible. So I was always a Tyranid player when, you know, Tyranid sucked and all of that. So just want to put that out there that this is from a casual player's standpoint. I played a game with just James this morning. He took his uh, Demons of Slanesh and I took my Necrons. And the first thing I noticed is it seems like I got a lot more models on the table than I used to for Necrons. And in my 1000 point list, because we knew that we would only go in, we were going to be, you know, slowed down and all of that, trying to look up our rules and whatnot and learn the rules properly and use the stratagems and all that. We made a thousand point lists and I got a Catacomb Command Barge. I got a Pyromancer. I got. 10 Immortals, I got 6 Locust Destroyers, I got 6 Wraiths, and I got 12 Scarabs. 
That seemed like an awful lot for a thousand points. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm completely whack. You can tell me uh, in the comments or via email. But it just seemed like I had a lot of models for a thousand points. And in the meantime, uh, he did not have that much. I think he had something along the lines of 20 demonettes and a twisted epitome. Um, he had three fiends and he also had Celesque, the named demon. And he also had the, um, not the big demon, the, the name, the, the little lady on, on the back of the demon prince. I think it's called Celesque. And then he did have a keeper of secrets, which was pretty expensive, but, uh, it did seem like I had a lot on the board. Now, as for the reanimation protocols, the reanimation protocols actually work okay. They are not quite as good as they once were, probably, um, you know, overall. But being able to heal, you know, D3 hit points and every hit point you heal, if someone's already damaged, you heal them a missed hit point. If no one is damaged in that squad, you can bring back a model with one hit point and then you can continue. Let's say you, you did D3, okay? You've got one... Uh, model wounded in the unit with missing one hit point you get a three for the hit points you can bring back so that guy's wounded you heal him to full health then for the second hit point you go is anybody wounded no i can bring back a model then he's only got one hit point the third one you go is anybody wounded yes you heal him one hit point so it actually works my initial reaction is it would work just like age of sigmar where if no one's wounded you can bring back that many wounds of models or if someone is wounded, you just heal them and that's that. But actually, this is actually better than the Age of Sigmar uh, mechanism that they have devised for, you know, death armies and stuff like that. As for the command phase and all of that, that's essentially basically the same. I noticed that we're getting far fewer command points than, um, than normal. Of course, you generate one in each command phase. And of course, I could be getting a little bit of this wrong. I only played one game, but I did... Um, I feel like we basically followed the rules pretty darn well. We tried our very best to follow everything. Uh, of course, the lack of psychic. Uh, I had no psychic in my Necron army, but he did have some psychic, but they were all offensive psychic things. He didn't have any buffing. So I didn't get a feeling for how the buffing worked. Um, but he did have some witchfire sort of stuff, and um, the, what's it called, hazardous or whatever, when he decides to overcharge his psychic powers. It has a chance on a one of dealing three mortal wounds to himself. That's kind of neat. As far as the probability of that, I like the probability spike of that. You know, you you only there's no such thing as, you know, uh, what's it called? Uh, perils, you know, double sixes, double ones like before where you hurt yourself. But if you decide to overpower, essentially overcharge your witchfire abilities, then some of them have hazardous or whatever that's called, where you roll uh, essentially uh, dangerous terrain or whatever. You don't want to roll a one and then you suffer three mortal wounds. I like that, uh, probability spike where if you roll a one, you just straight suffer three, three mortal wounds. I like that a lot. Um, versus, oh, if you roll a one, then it's D three. And I think the, the fewer times that you roll for stuff such as damage and whatnot, the smoother the game runs. So I like, it's just a flat three mortals. If you want to discuss mortals real quick, just in our game at least, his demonettes were dealing mortals like crazy. I mean, lots and lots of, um, what's it called? Critical wound, lethal wound, deadly wound, something like that. And um, he, of course, had a character that would buff it so that on um, uh, five, five and sixes to wound, 
it would be mortals instead of just sixes. So that was pretty deadly. He was doing a lot of mortals. And of course, Necrons have no answer for mortals. My shooting felt basically like it always does. The benefit now was that I had a Pyromancer attached to my immortals. And if any characters attached to, this is at least for the Necrons. If any of the nobles or characters are attached to the unit, you get plus one to hit, which was awesome because I was just hitting on twos. That's really good. And um, it had some other buffs being a Pyromancer, but that was that was a neat feature to it. The one thing I did notice is that, once again, I just threw, threw together a list and so did he. We really had no concept of what might be good or bad in this. And I'm really finding that you need to take something that's anti-vehicle, anti-monster. You know, high toughness, anti. Then you need to take anti-infantry and stuff like that. I took nothing that was anti-vehicle or monster. So the highest strength weapons I had was Gauss Cannons for my Locust Destroyers. And of course, they're really anti-elite infantry. They're only strength 5, and I think they used to be strength 6, but they're strength 5 now. And his Keeper Secrets was toughness 10. So I was literally wounding that on 6s. And even though I had a stratagem, I could reroll the wounds or whatever, but wounded on 6s sucks. Now, the Gauss ability, it appears to be a Gauss ability, um, is the whole critical hit thing where 6s to hit, auto wound. That's That was very helpful to me. And um, But I did realize that you truly, in this edition, more than any other edition I've seen, with the wider spread of toughnesses, you're definitely going to want to bring the right tool for the right job sort of scenario. So if you're taking all anti-tank and their hordes, you're going to be suffering. If you're taking all anti-horde stuff and they've got a bunch of monsters or vehicles, you are, again, going to be suffering. You really need to make a mix of things. And that actually brings me to the Force Org, where it apparently you just need to take a hero and you don't really need to, you're not required to take anything else. You're just capped out at three of each unit choice. And, you know, all of the heavy, fast, elite, all of that stuff is gone. And I think that's a very interesting take on it because I think they've designed the game so that you really need, if you want to be a good, well-rounded list, you know, in a tournament or even just a regular game, you really, really need to take some anti-infantry, some anti-vehicle, and so forth. So I think they're trying like a backdoor way of a Force Org where the mechanics of the game will basically cause everyone to always want to take multiple different types of units. Because I'm telling you right now, like the things that used to wound on fives, we're used to everything being toughness seven or eight in eighth edition and ninth edition. So anything over, you know, strength four or five or higher is typically going to be wounded on fives. Well, this is almost exclusively going to be wounded on sixes. Even my things like the Gauss cannons on my Locust Destroyers, they usually always wounded things on fives. Well, now they're wounded stuff on sixes? They were like a marginally good vehicle option, and they were really good against anti-infantry. Well, now they're very much anti-infantry because they wound... I mean, your bolt gun or my LAS pistol is going to wound this tank just as well as my Gauss cannon. I mean, that's a pretty, it's a pretty big difference compared to the past. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I just have noticed this, you know, that's how things tend to be in, in 10th edition. As far as assaults, I mean, uh, truly, assaults basically act the same way. I know there's some shenanigans. Leroy Jenkins is going to email me or Andrew's going to email me and tell me that, you know, there's some shenanigans there where you have to 
charge as far as you possibly can and get as many models in. So if you're trying to charge the same unit with two units, you could zone yourself out with one of them. I totally get that. It didn't really come up in our game, so that wasn't really a thing. Um, and I think it is a little weird, but what do you do about that? It's really a minor difference, but it is. it could be pretty big in a game, I suppose. Other than that, I think melee was basically the same as it was before. The alternate activation, the charges go first, etc., etc. I like a lot of the new um, general stratagems that you have. And, um, you know, I like that most of the costs for all of them are just one CP. And um, his demonettes were, you know, believably killy, as you'd expect. And my necrons were okay at killing, which you would also expect. I was more middle of the road. I didn't really take any dedicated melee things except for my wraiths. And uh, he took no shooting at all, which you'd expect from uh, Slanesh demons. We did have quite a bit of interaction between the new special rules and it was pretty interesting as far as the um, uh, objective count or whatever, where you're capturing objectives. And, you know, my uh, my immortals were a uh, OC2 and his uh, Keeper Secrets was a five, etc. That's pretty cool. Um, I also really like that my Scarabs can't cap objectives, but they can reduce your CO by one. And I really like that. That's a really neat feature. I would have to say that overall, here is my overall thoughts on 10th edition. I was not interested in 10th edition, really either way. I, I didn't, I wasn't excited about it. I wasn't not excited about it. I was just like, oh, here's another edition. And I was very cautiously optimistic about it. I know those of you who are much more competitive may actually not like 10th edition. I'm hearing from Leroy Jenkins. There's a lot of shenanigans that he doesn't care for. Um, but Overall, I have to say that playing my first game of 10th edition, I am super stoked about 10th edition. I mean, I'm legitimately excited. I like a lot of the changes. Of course, it's all very different from what it was before. Um, we didn't deal with any buffing magic, so I don't know exactly how that works. I think they're basically just abilities now. But the um, Witchfire stuff seemed to work pretty well. It was pretty neat. I like the hazardous uh, options and things like that, overcharging them. Melee seemed nasty. Shooting seemed nasty if you were shooting at the proper thing. I'm sure if you were assaulting the proper thing, it's nasty as well. If you got a bunch of demonettes going up against a tank, maybe not so much. But then again, that makes sense, doesn't it? I think vehicles being able to shoot out of close combat and being shot in close combat is actually a really neat feature to 10th edition. I like that a lot. It makes a lot more sense. And... um Overall, I really, really enjoyed it. I went into 10th edition this first game going, ho-hum, oh well, I haven't watched any of the previews, I haven't followed any of the leaks. I was truly not interested either way about it. Not dreading it, not looking forward to it. I planned on bringing Age of Sigmar this week to the gaming club because I've really been liking Age of Sigmar. But I have to tell you, I am really excited about 10th edition now, and I'm definitely going to be playing 40k this week at the club. Um, as far as a casual player, this is a casual player's paradise right now. I know that these are just index armies. And remember, index armies were my favorite armies in 8th edition too. I love the simplicity of it. With all of my different armies, and this is just me personally speaking, because I know a lot of you only have one or two armies. With my 25 armies between Age of Sigmar and 40k, 
I like to be able to just pick up the rules and immediately play and figure it out as I go. Instead of me having to actually research the book ahead of time. I know a lot of you like researching and list building. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's just not my style. And I really do like the idea of it took me five or ten minutes to make a list and just learn my rules as I went with this game. The game really didn't take any longer than it normally would have. We got the hang of everything very well. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, James ended up beating me 7-4. to four, And the reason why is because we were neck and neck tied the whole game. And on the second to last turn, he really rolled really well. And he was making his 5 up and vulnerables extremely well. I mean, there's a couple times where I did 7 wounds and he made 6 of his 5 ups. I mean, it was, it was bad. But it was mostly to do with um, our units that we took. Because I really struggled between my Locust Destroyers and my Immortals and my Scarabs. I really struggled taking down that uh, Keeper of Secrets. On the very last turn, when it was just my Scarabs alive, I had a six-man squad of Scarabs. They did charge in, and the Keeper of Secrets did die that very last turn. But he was able to capture three more points past our where we were tied at four. So overall... I had a blast with it. I really enjoyed it. And I think a lot of you more casual people may want to jump back in the game if you've kind of been pushed out by 9th edition. Because 9th edition was one of my least favorite editions. I think it was okay. I just didn't care for it that much. And it seemed hyper competitive. This seems like a lot of fun. Of course, we're going to have to see what they do for the codexes. Maybe it's going to get back into the power creep and all that. But with your you know, uh, six stratagems and your four, five, or six artifacts and warlord traits and all that, I am having a freaking blast. I love every minute of it. So that is the verdict. Casual players, you're probably going to love it. Competitives, uh, that's going to be flavored to taste, I think. Anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you to GameMat.eu for supporting the show and Panhandle3d.etsy.com. And, of course, my beautiful, sexy, good-smelling, super-doable. I mean, you do want to reproduce with these people. Patreon patrons. I'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>